Hey, welcome to You Had Me at Black. I'm Martina Abrahams. This week is the second installment of our Tech Inclusion series. If you're tuning in for the first time, Tech Inclusion is a conference that brings together entrepreneurs and leaders within the tech industry to discuss solutions to its diversity and inclusion challenges. They invited us to host a storytelling segment at their conference last year. So this next story comes from Leslie. He's led engineering teams at some of the industry's largest and most influential companies, and he continues to advocate for underserved communities. One day, after a confrontation with his father, Leslie learns that his dad has gone missing and sets out in search of him. Here's what happened. I want you to breathe all this in. This is You Had Me at Black, the podcast where black millennials tell true life stories. Hi. Um, uh, It's a really personal story. And I have told it to personal friends, but I've never spoken about this in front of a group, obviously. Uh, but it was about, so as, uh, as Martina said, I'm from Silicon Valley. I was born in San Jose, uh, East San Jose to be exact, which I call hood light. Uh, not quite the hood, but not, you know, a place you want to be after dark in certain areas. Uh, and, and it wasn't bad starting off, but as manufacturing declined, uh, particularly uh, there used to be manufacturing in the Bay Area, uh, Ford and General Motors both had auto plants uh, in Fremont and Milpitas. Uh, as that started to decline, neighborhoods started to decline as well. And uh, when neighborhoods decline, you know, people handle it different ways. Sometimes people get other jobs, they retrain. Uh, sometimes they descend into uh, abusive relationships, drug or alcohol uh, abuse as well. And this happened in my family. And it was about mid nineties, 1995, maybe 1996. Uh, I uh, had been out of school for a little bit. Uh, And when I say out of school, I dropped out because I was totally unprepared. So I was only in school for about two years and came back and was really trying to work my way through my career and, 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 you know, trying to keep just what was happening in my life, you know, which is when you're in your early 20s is really tumultuous. I mean, everything's a crisis when you're in your early 20s, um, whether you have money, whether you don't have money, whether, you know, your you know, significant others mad at you. And, um, and my parents were also going through that. And they were trying to reconcile after several years of my father's uh, substance abuse. And uh, during one patch, you know, we thought, uh, that hey, this is going really well. My father is you know doing doing well. He's working. He's engaging, you know everyone. And you know you want to be supportive with with anyone who's gone through that in their life. And I um, would go over and spend time with my father because uh, we never had a good relationship. And and I figured this is a good way to build a relationship. And you know a, you're getting older. You think these are the things that you do now. You can actually do things with intentionality. And and I said, hey, I will go and build a relationship with my father. Spend time with him. Get to know him. Let him get to know me. You know, as as a as a maturing adult. And you know, one day uh, I had the day off work, and I was taking care of 
something or another and i go over early in the morning and for an engineer it's uh you know it's like 11 o'clock uh <laughs> early in the morning and uh, i'm going to spend some time with my father help him out with some things around the house that uh, that we all grew up in and i get there and my niece is there my niece is i think five years old at the time four or five years old and uh, you know i say hello to her and she's you know has turned out to be a beautiful woman by the way just extremely intelligent extremely you know warm heart and and you know we exchange our pleasantries and i see my dad and he's like hey how's it going i'm like hey great he's like hey why don't you make some coffee now there's a thing with me and coffee i love coffee i am a coffee snob and all throughout my life probably since i was about 10 i've been making people coffee i don't know why but it seems to be something i like doing so i just have been doing it so i go and i start making coffee and uh i you know i'm looking for the coffee pots and the cups and you know I'm going to set it all up because I'm a little bit pedantic like that and I open up the cabinet and I see a glass pipe and I look down at my niece <laughs> look up at the pipe and you you just have this rush of emotions and and then I'm thinking oh maybe it's just for weed and maybe it's just marijuana but I, you know I'm from the hood light I know what it's for so I close everything down you know, just sit there, try to compose myself, thinking, what am I going to do? I'm like 22 years old. What am I going to do? Before I could even get to what am I going to do, there's a knock on the door. I'm like, I wonder who this is. So I walk to the door, open it, and it's a young man, uh, African-American, maybe 16. And he asked for my father by his name. It's like, is Andrew here? My parents are from the South. Kids do not call adults by their first name. You are Mr. Miley, or you are Mrs. Miley. And once again, I'm from the hood light. I know what this kid is here for. And I'm trying to figure out what my response should be. And before I can figure out my response, my father comes out. He's like, hey man, what's up? How's it going? Takes him to the back room. And I'm like, just, whoa, my niece is here. She's five years old. He has a drug dealer here and he's getting high in the back with my niece here. I don't know what to do. So since I don't know what to do, I'm very impulsive in case people didn't know. And when I get upset, I think I become focused. So I got focused. I went in, I just opened the door, said, get the fuck out. He's like, what? I'm like, get the fuck out of my house. You cannot be here. You cannot do this here. Not with my niece here. And he's like, well, you know who I am? I'm like, I know you're going to be a guy that gets an ass whipping if you don't get out of the house. And I'm going to call the police. And they're going to take you to jail, not me. So he leaves, <laughs> which was kind of funny. I was like, I just did that to a drug dealer. Cool. Um, so he left. And, you know, my father's like, why are you getting in my business? I'm like, uh because you're buying drugs at the house with my niece here? <laughs> you with your granddaughter here? That's why I'm in your business. He's like, it's not what you think it is. I'm like, there's a glass pipe in the kitchen. The drug dealer had his mom drop him off because he can't drive. And you guys went in the back. Uh, I, you know, I was not born yesterday. I get this, right? I, you know, this is our, our hood. I know what happens here. Uh, you know, and of course he's denying it. And in the back of my mind, back of my mind, I'm looking for ways out, right? I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this isn't, maybe he is just buying weed, right? And that's okay, right? 
because you're you're just trying to like come up with whatever to not look at the situation as it is. But I couldn't rationalize it, and I couldn't. It it, it didn't make sense. So while I'm standing there, and he's like looking at me, he's telling me it's not what it is. I'm thinking, I'm like, yeah, no, you're back on it. I know what's happening. I'm grabbing my knees. I'm getting out of here. I'm going to go take her someplace, but she can't stay here with you like this. You know, and he's like, you don't know what you're talking about. And you're like, I raised you, yada, yada, yada. And as I'm taking my niece away and putting her in the car and buckling her in, he stands on the doorstep and he says, you will need me before I need you. And I drive off just, I mean, just like I'm so emotionally distraught. Because I was like, how, you know, what do you even do with this information? So I, I drop my niece off at uh, at uh, a close friend's, and I go home, and and I'm driving home, and I'm thinking I could be wrong, <laughs> you know, maybe maybe it's not this way. And so I figured I'd get a call from my mom, you know, later that night, saying, "Ah, you and your father had a fight," blah blah, blah you know, and and telling me that that I had the situation all wrong, which I was hoping, and then I could buy into it, and I, I could you know con, you know continue to think my father's in recovery. But I don't hear anything, which I thought was weird. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, nobody called me. Okay, cool. Uh, two days goes by. Nobody calls me. Three days goes by. My mother calls. She's like, have you seen your father? I'm like, I saw him a couple of days ago. Why? She's like, I haven't seen him since the day I was there. I'm like, oh, so you don't know what happened? She's like, no. I'm like, I'm coming over. So I go over and my older brother comes. My older brother, he's uh, two years older than me. He's a pastor. But he's one of these uh, praise the Lord and pass the ammunition pastors. Uh, and <laughs> he's a little bit hot tempered. I think we all are. I think he's just a little more hot tempered. So we go over and I explain the situation, what happened to my mother. And, and I said, I guess he disappeared that day. And I'm like, you should have called. She's like, well, I just thought, you know, he would be gone for like a day because he would do that. And it, because this is, this is, this is the, how insidious substance abuse is. You look for excuses for people because you want them to be better and you care about them so much. So my older brother and I decide we're going to, you know, go off on a mission to find him. I don't know if anybody here has ever gone to look for a substance abuser. I don't, and, and let's just call it what it is. He's a crack addict. And if any of you saw New Jack City, trying to find Boney T was the hardest thing, right? Or whatever his name was. And, um, and so we start off on the mission and we start hitting all the spots we know. We start going to the people we know he knows who may be involved in this, this type of life. And we're just you know, hitting blank after blank after blank. I mean, we're driving around East San Jose. It's the middle of the night, um, you know, and we're not going to stop because our mother is distraught. She's at home right now. She doesn't know what's going on. Um, you know, she's trying to put, you know, their, she's trying to put their life together because he obviously wasn't doing it. And, you know, we, we get to a point to where we don't know what to do. And then, you know, it's, it's odd how the, the human mind works and how your memory works because something flipped. And I said... I know this guy who came by one time when I was there and didn't think anything of it, but he's this other person's older brother. Let's go visit him because I never understood why he would come by. 
So it's like 1130 at night right now. So we go knock on this guy's door and, uh, you know, he answers and we ask him, do you know where Andrew is? He's like, I don't know no Andrew. <laughs> I'm looking at him like, I saw you about a month ago, man. Come on. You came to his house. You asked for him by name. So my older brother, who has some anger issues and uh, the past the ammunition guy, um, picks him up, literally grabs him and picks him up. And then says something, and I will never say this. You'll never hear this outside of this, but I have to repeat it. Um, he said, you know, they don't find dead black people in the hills. And this guy started speaking English like Margaret Thatcher. It was amazing. He told us everything. I mean, if we want to know where Jimmy Hoffa was, he would have figured it out. Um, so it was like, he buys from here, he buys from here, he's been here, he's been here, he's been here. We know all these spots. So we hit the spot. Go to the spot, nothing. Go to the spot, nothing. Finally, you know, we stop at, and this is the detail I can remember, and this is over 20 years ago. Uh, he told us a woman named Lonnie was selling out the Motel 6 on Tully Road on 101 in South Santa, or East San Jose. So we roll up, and my older brother, who has anger issues, kicks the door in. <laughs> the Motel 6, right? So first of all, I'm thinking, in today... Leslie of today would be like, we're going to get killed. Somebody's just going to start opening fire, and it's probably going to be a justified kill. Uh, but it didn't happen, and she was there, this woman, Lonnie, with her children selling crack out of this Motel 6. And empty, nothing. And we're, like, done at this point. It's late. You know, we're already, probably people are already talking about there are these two brothers running around looking for their father. As so we get in the car, we start driving. We pass this hotel, we passed this hotel that I knew my father was at. How did I know? It said free HBO. <laughs> my father loves HBO. <laughs> and I said, he's here. I know he's here. Pull in. We pull in. There's his car. I'm like, amazing. So we go in and my older brother, obviously still upset and angry, kicks this door in. And uh, there's my father. And if those of you who are old enough to remember uh, Mary and Barry being caught smoking crack with a woman in a hotel, that's what I walked into. Don't even know what to do, right? You're just like, what? And so he's shocked to see us. Uh, and we're shocked to be there. But we collect him get his stuff, and take him back to my mother's house. I mean, my mother is uh, an amazing woman. She's an amazingly strong woman because, and an amazingly tolerant woman because I would have like, just like, no, he can't come back here. You, you know, put him on a plane somewhere, get him out of the state. But, you know, she took him back and, and they tried to work it out. And, and that says a lot about my mother. I took a lot of learnings from that. Um, you know, but she tried to work it out and it didn't work. And they ended up getting a divorce and he left her pretty much destitute with nothing but the house. Um, and she had to go on welfare for a while and uh, rebuild her life. But the strength that she had to experience that for as many years as she did came through in other ways. She built herself a career uh, during the 
late 80s and 90s, even late 90s and early aughts. And it ended up at a company that blew up during the dot-com boom and ended up making more than enough money by the year 2000 to 2001 to retire at 50-something years old. My father's still alive, um, which probably means I'm going to live forever. Uh, and he lives in Ferguson, of all places. And he still has issues. Uh, but um, the lesson I learned from that was the amount of strength that people have. Um, not just my mother, but the amount of strength he has to continue his life. He's 74 years old and, uh, you know, he's still in that life. And, you know, yet he has been able to buy a house. He's been able to continue on. And, and while I don't appreciate it and while I don't respect it, I respect the work ethic that he gave me. I respect the strength that both he and his, my mother have because it's the strength I've had to draw upon to do what I do for as long as I have and not choke the hell out of people because, <laughs> because tech is hard sometimes as we, we, we hear and being black in tech is really hard and, and I think their strength has really helped me make it through. So that's my story. Thanks for listening to You Had Me at Black. Be sure to check out this episode's description for musical credits. And if you like what you just heard, head to youhadmeatblack.com slash b-side to subscribe to our newsletter and unlock access to exclusive videos, behind-the-scenes interviews, and specially curated music. That's youhadmeatblack.com slash b-side. Peace.